Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. This week on the Tampering Podcast, we got a good one, folks. The NBA Bubble Life discussion with two very experienced front office executives, Denver President of Basketball Operations, Tim Conley, Boston Celtics Assistant GM and Team Counsel, the one and only Mike Zarin, talking NBA Bubble Life, the playoffs, what it's been like for them. But these guys also happen to have been my neighbors during quarantine. And I hate to admit it, we might have gotten into a little bit of trouble together. This is our trip down memory lane, a little bit of a mea culpa to the NBA, and a really, really enjoyable discussion. Stay for the back end. I have to tell you, in all the years I've been doing this, the candid, open, fascinating discussion with both these guys about the draft, what it's like to hit on guys, what it's like to miss on guys, and right now in real time in the postseason, what it's like to watch these players that you picked grow and evolve and develop and do great things on the playoff stage. They talk about the good, the bad, everything in between. You should enjoy it. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam Payne. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To be able to bring people together. What do, baby? Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executive in the league is I'm talking about players on other teams. What did I do? And the charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Awkward <laughs> <laughs> to even talk about. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. Is that right? Everybody, we don't have tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. Coming to you as always, Sam Amick, NBA national writer from inside the bubble. I'm in a very familiar spot right now. I've got some fun stories to tell and some fun dudes on the pod who are nice enough to join me today and and get into some things. We got Tim Conley, president of basketball operations for the Denver Nuggets on the line. Tim, how are you, brother? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Of course. And we got Mike Zarin, assistant GM, team counsel for the Boston Celtics. Um, Mike, Tim, I'm, I'm sitting near my doorway in in, uh, in my room. And, uh, and the, the reason that we thought we'd have a little fun on the pod today is that the three of us were neighbors a couple weeks ago, 10 days ago, 11 days ago at this point. And uh, this bubble life comes with quarantine. It comes with, you know, rules and regulations. And, and then, you know, here we find ourselves trying to get into this situation you guys go be with your teams me go cover this stuff and uh and and you're stuck and tim let me start with you because you knew this was going to be a bear coming in and and i want to put myself in in a gm shoes you build these teams you're excited to see them compete um the the first night that the three of us started texting as neighbors and just trying to check on each other see how we were doing was i believe game five of nuggets jazz and, and you got a season on the brink. Um, and, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, good Lord, if I was on the other side, if I was the guy who built the team, I would just be going out of my mind. Uh, how tough was that? And, and, and within that, to explain to the listeners why you ended up coming back into the bubble when you did. Uh, there's always a numbers game when it comes to teams and spots and, and how this all works. But take us through that a little bit. And the NBA has done a, a great job trying to keep this as sacred as possible. And as the numbers suggest, they're doing they've done Fantastic. In my situation, I came down July 7th and had planned to stay throughout the entirety. Um, we had our lead medical guy didn't come down initially because he had a newborn, which we were very supportive of. And all of us made the same decision. And about 35 days in, we were hit with a pretty good injury bug with uh, several guys, um, you know, not back on the court. And he said, you know what? It's been 35, 36 days. My wife's understanding. She's great. I think I feel comfortable to come down. So for him to come down, one of us needed to swap out. It was either going to be me or Calvin Booth, our GM. Um, so I don't know if I pulled the, the good straw or bad straw. I guess it depends. <laughs> Snuck home for a couple nights. Good team player. Came, yeah. Well, um, that was amazing. Surprising my family for three nights. Sure. Um, and then I flew back here, went down the street to the, they call it the tier four hotel. It's where a lot of owners are. Right. Some, uh, some other NBA personnel where it's not a, it's not a real bubble. You get test every day. It's limited to who can come in and out of the hotel. It's an NBA only hotel, but um, you know, if you want, you could 
um, you, know, you could leave campus without facing the same restrictions. So I went down there for six days um, and I was hopeful that when I got back to this hotel, which is about, you know, a mile and a half, two miles away, my quarantine wouldn't be the full seven. Um, it, it was a full seven days. Right, and right. I said it was uh, certainly not what I had hoped for. I understand it. And I understand how good a job the NBA is doing, but um, it was hilarious when I realized who was, you know, these are like motel style rooms. Right. Yeah. We paint that picture. Yeah. It's just outdoor hallways uh, on an old school <laughs> Disney property. Um, and I see you and, you know, right down the, you know, 25 feet down the hall, I had an adjoining room. Right. I shared a door and I said, whoever's next to me, this guy's on the phone all the time. Who is this guy? And sure <laughs> enough, it's, you know, it's your colleague, Shams. Um, and then I see, I see Mike, you know, a really good buddy. Um, you know, <laughs> and he's three doors down. So it, it, it was definitely pretty funny, but watching the game, especially, you know, we really struggled. We won game one and Utah's a heck of a team. They took it to us. So watching those elimination games, um, in your room was not something that I ever want to do again. Um, I was really proud of the team, how they reacted, but I'm a pretty stoic guy during the game generally, but I think the combination of quarantine essentially being sent home and um, obviously being away from your family for such an extended time. I was, I was a whack job that game. I think yeah. you and I, but like, you know, it, it's just, it's crazy. You're in your room uh, and, and there's a, a media guy in the room next door. That that's I mean, Sam had an adjoining <laughs> door to my room. And I, you know, we couldn't really, you could hear like Charlie Brown's teacher's voice through the wall, you know, but you couldn't really make out what was being said. But like, that's part. not an easy thing. You wonder what the person on the other side of the wall could hear you say. Well, hey, I mean, the athletic, if the athletic has all the Celtic and Nuggets gossip, you know how you got yeah. <laughs> You start seeing yeah. stories come out about that stuff. We know where it's from. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's you guys were double teamed. So to give people the breakdown, you got you got Zarin on the right. Me next to Zarin, Sham Sharania next to me and, and Tim uh, next to Shams. Um, there was and, rumors that was by design by your editorial yeah, we, board. It was pretty damn smart. I'm going to be I mean, but there's pressure, you know, now if anybody else breaks Nuggets and Celtics stuff, we got no excuse, man. I mean, I called, uh, I called the league and asked them how much they charged you guys to be put, put up <laughs> next to them. Well, Tim, I think I told you this. The first day, and Mike and I have been friendly for years and always enjoyed him, but my, my favorite part was that Mike tried to delicately tell me right away, like, Sam, don't take it personal, but I, I, I might be thinking about moving here because I'm not sure that, that I want, you know, all the Celtics business to come through the walls. Uh, it, it was, it was for a reporter, it's an incredibly unique uh, dynamic. And so, you know, Tim, you had season on the brink, and, and it's one thing to watch your team in a playoff game, which is always intense, but you know that's a a win or go home scenario. Mike, you got a little bit lucky in terms of your squad. They had swept Philly. You were in between series, um, and then the other component here, though, that that uh, that I think adds a, a layer to it for sure is that you're dealing with quarantine. Which I'm not gonna lie, and I wrote about this a little bit. I didn't really handle it well on the back end. I was stressed. I was frustrated, um, and to be honest. And we haven't even really, you know, just flat out said what took place here when we made what was certainly an unwise choice, the three of us to sit in our doorways at the end of quarantine, you know, 20, 30 feet apart from one another. We're sitting far apart, incredibly socially distant, you know, drinking our own wine. Um, but the the motivation was that you, know, you guys have your, your game stuff and that stress. And then you have this historic uh, week in the NBA a couple days before where you know, we didn't know if this season was going to continue. Uh, you had the players meeting. And, and as a reporter, again, it was just maddening to be here and but not be able to go cover that kind of an event. And so we got plenty to talk about um, during that time. We we come outside and, and we ended up getting cracked on by a security guard. And, and it was a it was a debacle. It was a big thing. And again, wrong choice. Um, live and learn kind of all's well that ends well. But um, the uniqueness of all those layers was a lot. And, and you know, talk to me, Mike, about how all of that hits you because you handle all the Celtics legal stuff. So here you are uh, on the phone all day long trying to figure out, is your team going to keep playing? Is the league going to keep going? And then you got these four walls around you that, uh, that had to be closing in a little bit. So, you know, that, that's, that was difficult not knowing what was going to happen. Well, I think that was the most difficult thing, but I, the quarantine didn't bother me that much. Cause I sort of been quarantined since March one way or another anyway. Right. Well, listen, I'm happy. I'm still here. Cause I'm not going to lie. There was a minute, when I thought, you know, I'd be the first media dude to get bounced from the bubble. Um, and that, 
And then there was a moment when the frustration, you know, when there was about a day of, of us not knowing what the league wanted to do. And, and, you know, and you guys don't have to touch on this stuff, but for my part, you know, the shoe was on the other foot. All of a sudden I'm, I'm on the phone with Elizabeth Maringer who handles investigations for the NBA. And it's a very serious thing. And we're talking about, um, okay, what went on and how far apart were you and all these things. And the league had to decide how concerned they were about the situation. So I'm happy to still be here. I do. Let's pivot and, and talk hoop for a minute because both of your squads are still doing really good things. Um, Mike, you've been with the Celtics since 04 um, and, you know, frequently referred to as Danny Ainge's right-hand man. You know, I, that might be selling it a little bit short, but it's certainly accurate too. Um, what has this been like for you? You built this team with Danny. You, you've seen, you know, the fight. I know you guys certainly hoped that, that you would finish this thing against Toronto already, but, you know, that's a championship team and they're showing that right now um you know this in the context of the bubble this has got to be one of the most unique celtics kind of viewing experiences that you've had well there's no doubt i mean i i was a celtics fan a long time before i worked for the team and suddenly i'm you know one of two or three celtics fans in the entire building while the game is going on that's pretty different uh than sitting in my section back at the at the garden um but you know the neat thing about the group of guys that we have this year is they came down here, um, you know, not only to play basketball, but also to sort of shine light on some societal issues uh, that are really important to them and a lot of the rest of us. And um, in doing those two things, there just haven't been a lot of distractions. Um, and so, you know, that's that's sort of one of the things that's when you say this is a unique experience. It's in, in some small ways, it's been very positive. There's no travel between games. Um, there aren't you know, family members with constant issues around you, we really get to focus on the things that are most important to us in this time. And this particular team is really, really good at being focused uh, relative to other teams that we've had. I'm not sure why that is. Um, it's just this collection of guys has a will to really, really focus in on the basketball. And um, it's been neat to watch that. It's just been really, really cool to get. I mean, obviously just got here. I've been in here, um, you know, Tim has been here like 60 days, except for that time he had away. I think I've been here, what now, 10 days post-quarantine, less than that. Um, and so, um, you know, they had already sort of ironed out all the issues. How do we operate day to day, et cetera. But we've been talking about this place since March, and it's just really, really neat to see it actually working. Right. Tim, for you, uh, I mean, again, similar in the sense that, I mean, what you've done with that Nuggets roster and, and creating not only one of the best teams in the West, but but a squad that has such a long shelf life. Um, again, we go back to that game five against Utah. Your, your brain's got to be on fire because you can't be there. And and by the way, I was impressed when you had shared, you know, I mean, you, you look like a fit dude, but man, you, you let me know that you did about 300 pushups that night uh, of game five just to get the. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 did, I did 350, which is about 350 Ooh. more than I did in the whole quarantine up to that. I mean, whole pandemic up to that point. So it's impressive. Uh, now my, I'm, I'm a, a skinny fat guy, man. The shirt off is not impressive at all, but that was complete stress pushups because the game, it took so many turns. And, you know, when you're down three, one, especially in these circumstances, you're concerned about letting go of the rope a little bit. And that's where I think I'm so proud of uh, Mo and, I, and our entire staff and our players. Were, you know, we're a re resilient group. We generally bounce back after a tough outing. Didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, but it, it's, you know, like you mentioned, everything is so weird here. It's weird when we played game seven. I think I think I might have rushed the court. Like it was, you know, a Maryland <laughs> Duke game. Yeah, I'm really not sure. I mean, literally asked our, our PR people, like, can you get video of that? Because I don't, I just remember I'm on the court within six seconds after the uh, mic shot rims yeah. out. And I, and I got to know, I knew a lot of the Utah guys got to know a handful and talking to them like, hey, you guys are warriors. What a great series. And I've never done that. That's not par for the course. <laughs> you know, right, I don't, right. I've never been on a court before seconds after an NBA game. So I think there's so many unique aspects of this environment and um, it's, it's really neat. A lot of it because, you know, like uh, to Mike's point, I'm a, a fan first and I'm kind of a basketball geek. So it's, you know, you're in there watching the best players in the world. They're 10 feet away and you hear everything's being said to, to coaching at such a high level. It's fantastic. Um, but it's just so, so different than what a normal playoff series would look like. I, yeah, we, we were talking about right going home 
up to O in this series and how different that would have been. And, um, you know, what the garden would have been like that night, um, for game three. Right. And instead we were back in the same arena we've been in every game. Um, you know, and, and, and so oh, yeah. it's weird. A very, very different experience. Live sports are back. It's very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. Jamal Murray. I know he heard this ad before. Didn't think he heard it in the first few games. He's definitely heard it because he knows that he wants to help out Manscaped. Because he wants to see your Nuggets as safe as possible when that matchup happens. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is a perfect add on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Their Perfect Package 3.0 with the new and improved Lawnmower Waterproof Cordless Body Trimmer, Performance Boxer Briefs. The Performance Boxer Briefs, by the way, delightful. Wearing them now, very comfortable. And a travel bag for you to use when we're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chipping ball deodorant. And the Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level. Well, it is. And, and Tim, you should see um, Celtics games. <laughs> Zarin sits pretty close to the media. And, and, and Mike Zarin in the garden, you, you know, you got to really, it's like, where's Waldo? You got to find Mike and see where he's at among the, you know, 18,000 people or however many of you guys pack into that building. But here, Mike's sitting there clapping and it, it, it jumps out at you because there's nobody around him. And, and you're not going to change who you are, Mike, and you're passionate and you're getting into it with your team, but it's the whole thing's bizarre. I found myself having to learn how to really engage on the game because you don't have all the visual cues that come with an arena. You don't have somebody, uh, you know, re- putting the replay on the board every 30 seconds. Um, it's different and it does pop on TV. I mean, the playoffs have been fantastic. I was going to say that to hit the rewind button a little bit, Tim, uh, I had a source who told me that, uh, that the nuggets had a good time after the game seven win. And, and it sounds like did, did the Jazz uh, stick you with with their bill and the little post game festivities here uh, on on the bubble campus? Uh, there's no, no comment on all of that. But I, I will say, you know, it, it was really, really like it was awkward, but it was actually kind of cool because we have so much respect for those guys and the level of competition wasn't always pretty, but to see two teams play that hard and leave it all on the line um, was pretty neat. Yeah, I talked to Sam, Quinn Sam after. That. Okay. Yeah, tell me, Mike. No, go ahead. That's a different thing about here, too. You get back from the game, you go down to your team meal room, maybe get a bite, and you're walking back. And this happened to me after our last game. I get on the elevator and on the lower lobby, and it stops in the lobby before going up to our floor. And the doors open, and who comes into the elevator but like a bunch of Toronto Raptors? And <laughs> you're going to see the people you were just playing later that night, there's only two restaurants here, whether Tim rents out a private room for his team or not, which he doesn't want to comment on. (laughs) Um, There's only two restaurants. You're going to see see the people that you, uh, that you were just playing and it gets heated in the playoffs. I also don't want you to sell Allison Feaster who's cheering next to me short. She's been a great Celtics fan too, but but, uh, I know, I know this pisses you off, but I told you her clap is louder than yours. It's not true. There's no way. Anyway, uh, the, uh, the, it's, it's, I mean, it's very much an NBA family down here. Uh, as Tim was just talking about, you get to know all these guys in the front offices when you're in a front office and you're on the road scouting. Um, but you know, now we are around all the trainers and players and everyone from the other team all the time. Toronto's team room is right around the corner from our team room. And, you know, I, I, I think, 
I think Denver's team rooms right around the corner from the Clippers team room. And so you're just going to run into those guys and it is a different feel than, you know, the fans I'm sure when I was a fan, look, I could just, you know, I, I was like the red hour back type of fan. You don't want to have anything to do with the other team. And that's just not possible down here. No, it is strange. And I keep thinking, and who knows, maybe this happened and we just don't know about it, but some of the more intense players, um, I mean, the intensity level in these games is just so incredibly high. And because we sit closer than normal on press row, I'll be honest with you, I feel like a kid again when it comes to just enjoying the game. It's so much fun. Last night, Lakers-Rockets, uh, you know, Russ runs to the corner pregame, and it's pretty great what he does. He looks up into the into the wall as if there's fans there, and he pretends that he's interacting with fans, and he's talking to himself, and he's a crazy person. And you see that. And then you see LeBron, you know, yelling at the ref and, and talking about the play. And so you see all of it. The intensity is high. And then I've got to imagine at some point that a couple players cross paths post game, and you had you know yourselves a little awkward vibe and tension because these guys are getting after it and they're in the same space. Uh, Tim, to your point about Game Seven and the emotion that came with that, you know, I talked to Quinn after the game, and they were hurting, man. They were really hurting. Um, Donovan Mitchell was, you know, over there hugging Johnny Bryant for a really long time, and Quinn had made a comment about how, with everything they'd been through, as kind of the team that it all started from or with when Rudy Gobert gets COVID, kind of patient zero, so to speak, that, that Quinn felt like Mike Conley's three, that it should have gone down. And so, you know, they kind of have their hearts ripped out. Um, the emotion is high. And, and you know, Mike, let's break down your team a little bit. Um, I don't get East all that often. As you know, it's at least once a year to go to the Sloan Conference and say hello to you. And um, But I've, I've really enjoyed appreciating the, the dudes you guys have on your squad. Marcus Smart is one of my favorite guys in the whole league to watch. Uh, just does not take plays off. Uh, always fun to see him, you know, shoot himself out of the human cannon and, and flop all over the place, which is great too. But um, it's a it's a it's a gritty uh, squad that is just long and versatile and athletic. Um, just thoughts and observations on on how they've competed out here in this series. I mean, the level of competition's been top notch. Uh, you know, even when we've you know not played well at times we played really really well um and at times we just played all right but uh the the heart of this team is as strong as any team i've seen and um i think it, it does start with smart you're right uh about that part of it but it, it's it, it's really all the way down we just have a bunch of guys who like to play really hard all the time um goes back to you know the, the scouting report i i remember coming back from the big east tournament when kemba was playing in it and saying like this guy's best attributes is motor um and that's just that's just the case up and down our roster so it's it's been a really really fun team to get to know and watch and have be together down here we talk about kids and the, the family components um there's you know for any gm any front office exec who plays a pivotal part in the process like you do mike I've got to imagine that, you know, these are your kind of your basketball kids, guys that you drafted that you had a certain vision for and hope for in terms of who they would become as a player. What does it feel like to see some of them elevate, see a Jason Tatum become a star, see a Jalen Brown become a better player than some people thought he would become? Uh, and again, on this level, on this stage, you know, because of the stakes, all of that is augmented even more. Like, what is all of that like through your eyes? Danny talks about this a lot, how, you know, the 08 championship in some ways was sweeter to him than the 84, 86 championships because it was his, you know, kids winning it and he had helped sort of bring them up. Right. Um, and I don't have kids, but the, the feeling is really intense pride in those guys when you see them um, raising their game. If anybody told you that when we drafted Jason or Jalen, for example, we thought they were going to be this good this soon. Um, they're lying to you. We, we had high hopes for those guys, but you never know if a guy's going to turn out to be a star. The draft is such a crapshoot, but we did believe in both those guys. And it's been really, really neat to just see them elevate their games all year, not just down here. Right. Um, but, you know, it also would have been easy for anyone to take four months off and come back worse or just the same. And both those guys are playing better. So um, that's that's really heartening too, to see that the growth curve is continuing and hopefully those guys will continue for a long time growing as Celtics. Tim, you've got a similar experience. I mean, you've got a, a draft built team for the most part and getting Jokic at 41 is just absurd. And, you know, good luck topping that in your executive career. Um, but, you know, Jamal and the jump that he's made 
And by the way, not only just some incredible play out here, but showing himself to be such a neat person, um, you know, take us through that a little bit. You've, you've just, you've, you're, these guys are growing up in front of you. We've just been so lucky. It's, you know, we were fortunate enough to take Nicola and then his, his ascension to superstardom was one no one could have predicted. Um, Jamal was another guy we got very fortunate that he was there for us. You know, we thought these guys would complement each other well, kind of crossed our fingers, but you never know. There's the league can change so rapidly. I think the neat thing, and it's again, it's a testament to uh, Josh and, and the Cronkey family and certain, certainly Mo and his staff is we have all good guys. Um, I've been in the NBA for it's like 24 years now. And, and most everybody you interact with is really nice people, but it's uncommon to have A to Z great, great people you see every day. Um, and, and to watch these young guys, I mean, we're really hard. I'm really, really, really hard on Jamal. I'm mean, going to be the first one to tell you because I think he can be great. And I tell him, don't be happy being good. I think you have a chance to be great. Um, you know, to see how much. Let me interject real quick because that's, that's really interesting. I mean, what form does that take when you say you're really hard on Jamal? What does that look like? <laughs> it depends on the day. Uh, I'll just say <laughs> I, um, he and I were very fortunate uh, to have a really good relationship. And it's, it's based on countless interactions, whether it's coming over to have dinner or, um, you know, or, or hanging out with him and his dad. It's just like mom and dad are the best. His brother Lamar is, is awesome. It's, I think the more you develop those relationships, the more you're able to have really hard conversations. Um, so with Jamal, I can be so hard on him. And then I say, I'm hard on you because I, I really think you have another gear. And then I take a step back and, and look see how much him and Jamal, him and Nicola have led us at such a young age to win. There's so many great players in the NBA. I mean, I, I'm sure Mike, you can, you feel the same way. Sometimes I watch a game. I say, we're never, ever going to win another game. Every other player is amazing. <laughs> These guys are superhuman. And we take a step back and look at all the winning Nicola and Jamal have done. Um, so I think that's probably the thing I'm most proud of. We're not the most Typical team of, of appearances or how we're built. Um, we got a bunch of guys, you know, we start with fully healthy. we got Will Barton, Paul, and Nicola are all second round picks. Um, we got a couple two guy, former two way guys who are hugely impactful rotation pieces for us. Um, but they're all, they're all kind of cut from the same cloth. They all are really competitive. They're all really good guys and they're largely egoless until they get in between the lines, which is, really fun. It makes it that much easier to enjoy the ride. And uh, we couldn't be more proud of the guys we have. Yeah, Tim. I, I mean, I'll, I'll just echo that about our team. This is probably the, the least egoful team of Celtics that we've had. And it, it's pretty amazing, but there's no doubt when you have a young team and you watch some of these more veteran teams playing, you wonder, man, how do we compete with that? And every NBA executives had that experience. Like, geez, our guys are good, but that team's really good. Absolutely. You play them and sometimes, you know, sometimes you win and you're like, oh, all right, okay, we can hang with these guys. But uh, it's it's hard not to be nervous because we're in a time right now when, you know, it's not, it's not 1983 where there's four or five really good teams and everybody else is so much worse. There's a lot of really, really talented players in the NBA right now. And, you know, Tim's got a bunch of them on his team and, and, you know, we're lucky enough to have a couple of them on our team. And so, or hopefully more than a couple. And so it's just, uh, the, the level of competition down here has been great. It's been oh, great. It's amazing. I mean, look, look at yeah. uh, the job that Monty did with Phoenix. These guys ran the table here and young guys learning to win. It was so fun to watch. And then when you turn off the fan part of you and you start, you know, we're always projecting, uh, we're always, whether it's a draft, free agency trades, we're always uh, we, we take these really long walks. Myself and Calvin and Ben Tenzer joined us recently. Yeah, and you're strategizing and you talk about these other teams, and by the end of the conversation, you, you think, God, are we going to win ten games next year? <laughs> and you know, somehow, thankfully, um, because we got great coaches and, and really good players, we're able to win some games. But I'm with Mike. There's shoot, we, we both been in NBA for a long time. Same, you've covered it forever. There's no easy outs. Every team is oh. good. Every team has talent. Um, the coaching is, is it's always been at a really high level, but the, the, the world's gotten smaller, the basketball circle. So there's so much knowledge on those sidelines. Um, and it's, I don't think the league's ever been healthier in that regard. 
So that and how many is, times a day do you walk around that circle? I look at <laughs> my room and I see the three. The three yep. of you, so like Ben is a, Ben's an old friend of mine, Ben Tenzer, uh, who works with Tim. And, and Calvin are sort of opposite ends of the height spectrum and you're in the middle. <laughs> so you're very obvious where the three of you are walking around that circle. How many times a day do you do that? I, th- I think my record, I did 17 miles one day. Ooh. Yeah. I think Calvin's mile and a half me. around, right? Yeah. And then Calvin, Calvin beat me. It's uh, Masai and Adam Simon are the other two big walkers. Actually, I'm looking out the window right now. I see a shirtless Sam Cassell walking back in. <laughs> um, you know, it's a, I'm, it, it, there's not a lot of exercise options here. Um, and, and the, the heat and humidity is brutal. We can't, Mike's ran it a couple of times. I ran it like twice and it's, this is the worst. You know, get, get me off of this loop. But Ben came, just came down here. He was the staff addition helping out with a lot of the family members. I guess we're going to come down. And he's like, we said, we're going to go for a walk. And he didn't understand what it meant. And the second lap, he's like, are we just going to keep walking? You know, like, <laughs> where are we walking to? But Hey, you know, you make do. Thankfully, we had this big perimeter road. Um, it's it's been a godsend, and you don't know what you're going to see out there. I've seen I've seen armadillos, I've seen gators, I've seen snakes, um, and it breaks up the monotony of just gym room, gym room, eat, gym room, eat. Uh, so it's it's a little have thing, a, I guess. Have either there's of you? The there's a moat around most of the perimeter here. That's something that people don't know, and, and there are signs that say there are gators in the moat. I've I've only seen one, but I've seen quite yeah, a few. Uh, Dan Tolzman from the Raptors, he, he was fishing and caught one the other day. Well, didn't catch one. He hooked one and, um, let it go. I've seen, I see Brad out there all the time. Like he's a big walker. Brad's, now. Brad's a big walker. No doubt. I've walked with Spo uh, three or four times. So it, it's, it's been Spoh neat. Six times one day, you know, I went around twice and he was going the other direction. Uh, and so we, we kept passing each other and said hi a couple of times. And then I, I think by the fifth time it was just awkward. So we just waited. Yeah, it is. I, this, the second pass walk <laughs> where you see someone, you give them the nod, hello. And then are you expected to do that every additional pass? It's, it's like a Larry David. It's like Kirby Enthusiasm episode. What do you do? This wasn't, that wasn't in the 113 page memo that the league put out about the bubble. They didn't have, you know, it, it very well might've been, you well. guys will both be shocked by this. You know, the, my attention to detail in those 113 pages might've been limited. So maybe it was team <laughs> council. I wasn't as lucky as you, Tim. I, I did actually have to read all of that, but look, I mean, there's a reason that the perimeter's secure and a reason that there's a 113 page memo. We haven't had any cases inside yeah. and um, it's, it's pretty amazing. You know, the thing I think about a lot down here is, yeah, there's testing every day, but if testing were cheap everywhere, everyone's wearing masks and there's not a lot of interaction with the outside. And you really could replicate not all the nice details and the perfect logistics that the league pulls off. But if you have a bunch of dedicated people who are willing to follow the rules, um, you could replicate this other places. And it's, I think it's, you know, that's a lesson for society that, uh, you know, that, that hopefully will get passed along to some people is look, if you got a bunch of people who are willing to socially distance and wear masks and you can get some testing, you can do a pretty good job of keeping this virus out. Now is the time to celebrate. Football is finally back and DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports has millions of reasons why you should be excited to kick off the football season. DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at a $1 million top prize with a total of $3 million up for grabs for this Saturday's football contest. Getting in on Thursday night's single game showdown is easy. All you have to do is download DraftKings using the promo code MAYS, M-A-Y-S. Draft six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. So head to the app now and start making it rain. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using the code MAZE will receive a free shot at a $1 million top prize with your first deposit. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game like having a shot at a million-dollar payday. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code MAZE. For a limited time, new users get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and $3 million in total prizes. Don't miss the extra special week one bonus. Enter code MAZE to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That code is MAZE. Only at DraftKings, make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Two more quick ones for you boys on the on the hoop front. I'll let you get out of here. Um, Mike, with your team, you know, Tim talked about 
Jamal and his story and his kind of elevation here. And I'm curious what your experience has been with Kemba, because he's a guy that, uh, again, during his Charlotte years, I didn't get to see him in person all that much. He's a media darling in terms of just being a kind person who's willing to have a human conversation and, and not act like the media is the, the bane of his existence. And so we've always appreciated him. But, man, you've seen the way that some of his success in this playoff series has hit him personally because of all those times that he just had limited opportunity in Charlotte and how much it seems like he's embracing it and, and trying to make the most of it. I've enjoyed seeing that. And, and you guys obviously are coming off the, the Kyrie experience from before. And I know that's a narrative that you're probably tired of, but um, take me through the, the Kemba experience a little bit. The, the crazy thing about Kemba is he might be the most normal person superstar in the NBA. And, and based on our draft interview that we had with Jamal Tim, it might not actually be so different with him. Um, but Kemba's just a regular guy who hoops at a level that the rest of us could never dream of. Um, and it's neat to see that because, you know, there's just so many different personalities around the NBA and to get to be an elite, elite player in any sport, but particularly ours, you have to be dedicated to your craft in a way that, you know, really it lends itself to extreme personalities. If you're not so, so dedicated and so, so focused on something, um, you know, you're sort of a more normal person. You're not likely to be successful at this level. And so, Kemba's just like, a, he's just a regular guy who loves what he does. Um, I know he's been so, so happy to have some playoff success because uh, that had eluded him uh, earlier in his career. He certainly said it um, a number of times in the locker room after games, how thankful he is to be on this team. And, you know, all our guys are sort of thankful is a good word for this team. It's something Brad preaches, but, but Kemba particularly, he's shown up, he's embraced the leadership role on this team. Um, but he's not, he isn't the aloof superstar demanding of everything around him. Um, he, he's just a normal guy who is a really, really incredible basketball player. And, you know, I think that lends an air of humility to our whole team because he just exudes that every day. Um, it's been neat getting to know him. He's, he's just such a good dude. Well said. Um, Tim, spin it forward with your squad a little bit. I got to admit, when you guys got whacked by the Clippers in game one, you know, us, us media types that get it wrong plenty, uh, thought you guys were done. And then you bounce back in game two and show some fight. Are you guys leaning into this kind of nothing to lose element that, that I think comes with this series because so many folks, folks have the Clippers, have the Clippers as, as, possible, as a possible champion here? Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, our guys are very self-deprecating, but our, our guys also – so why you know we're we didn't just sneak into the playoffs we had a good year last year um, possession two away from advanced the west conference finals um you know we we were the clippers and uh, us were jockeying for position all year long yep. in terms of finishing behind the lakers um so i think a little bit I mean, we've just turned it it's kind of a humorous angle where um I, I think kind of piggybacking on what mike was talking about kimba nicola does not like being a celebrity. He's just a really, really nice guy who's really good at basketball. Who's he's fun. He's goofy. You know, he wants to be around his, his girlfriend and his brothers and they're great people. Um, Jamal has none of the trappings of a lot of these young guys who has what he has financially and is doing what he's doing in the court. Um, I went to visit him this summer and it was, it was great. It was just, Hey, let's go work out. Um, his dad's a heck of a cook and made some really good Jamaican food. And that was my day. You want to play a video game? This is pretty much my life when I'm back in Kitchener. So I, I, I think, and Sam, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think that probably hurts how a lot, especially national media members view our guys because they're not self-promotional. Um, they're not guys that really seek out the, the spotlight. And I, I don't know how good we are. You know, you're as good as the, the game suggests, but I, I do think collectively our guys, it's become a, a pretty good source of um, laughter that we're, uh, when we win, everyone's surprised. You know? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, we've, we're a pretty good team. Uh, right. You got no, a coach and staff and it's, and it's, you have a, a fantastic coach and a guy, listen, you guys, he's the best. And we have three assistant coaches. If anyone's listening, any open job, Wes Unsell and David Adelman and Jordy Fernandez are going to be unbelievable head coaches. So our, our, it's kind of a running joke now where it's like, Hey, 
who'd have thought we actually won? Can you believe it? (laughs) And I think that's kind of reflective of who we are. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, We're we're lucky. I think continuity is a huge huge benefit to our group. We know each other well. We've been around each other for a long time. But I I do think um, it is kind of funny in that regard that the last couple of years, we've had a lot of success in the regular season. Um, Really proud of our last year. First time back in the playoffs in a long, long time. Lost a really talented Portland team. But um, to advance the second round again, um, I think our guys have a quiet confidence that's the result of, of the team success we've had over the last several years. The start of the year, I got asked who the most underrated team in the league was. And, and I said, well, by the public, it's definitely Denver. So, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy. Right. To see yeah, that. I think. Tim's a friend of mine, but I am happy to see that point out, not for my own self, but just because I like watching their team. No, and to your point, Tim, I think the correlation is two things, or, or I guess the explanation. The small market component is always going to come into play. Um, not a small city by any means, but, you know, it's not LA. Then your culture and your group media wise, and if I'm being candid, there's all kinds of stories I would love to tell with your group, but they are very understated. And, and there's a, and the access is not an open door because you guys, you, you kind of like to, to roll the way you roll. And on the media side, we are guilty of. Uh, you know, the teams that you wrote about, talked about the most, um, you do kind of subconsciously start convincing yourself that they are inherently more relevant. They are inherently more uh, likely to advance, things like that. So you're right. We overlook what you guys did. I mean, I covered your Portland series last year. That four overtime game was, you know, some of the grittiest basketball I've ever seen. And, and you know, that all comes into play. Um, I think also with the – I mean, the Clippers – I can't wait to see just how they play going forward because the fact that you were jostling with them in the standings all regular season long on the media side, people said, well, yeah, at face value, that looks like they're on the same level, but the load management component with the Clippers made you feel like they had this new level they could go to and game two showed that you guys are right there and it is fun to watch. So now they're a tremendous team. That was not, I mean, they're, they're fantastic. I was had dinner with Lawrence last night and just, you know, those guys, I mean, Doc Rivers, Hall of Famer, watching the watching them play up close, it's so impressive just how big and long they are and the versatility defensively with, with especially with their wings. And that, that team is fantastic. And it's it's a great litmus test for us to see where we really stand. I mean, that's an elite right. team. As a quick aside, Tim, I meant to ask you this before. The Utah series, and then you got all these close relationships that it's you obviously think very fondly of their group. Um, what was the Donovan component like for you? And you and I talked about this offline that for all the draft picks that you've nailed you, you've taken some heat for not taking Donovan in the past. And then, and then he's one of these young stars that was taking a jump with Jamal in the same series and having some of the best guard play in the history of the game. That was so much fun to watch, but you know, considering the, the subplot of, of you and the, and the Donovan element, how did that kind of hit you? I mean, it's not fun, but it's as a fan, again, I, I got to know, I had no interaction with Donovan Prior, and, you know, I'm today, you still have that Nuggets hat, you know, <laughs> and, you know, made light of it. And I, I, I would, I did not do a good job that evening. Um, it's not just him. There's, there was, and I think it's, for me personally, it's, it doesn't make it any less impactful or it doesn't hurt any less, but it's kind of liberating to study why you screwed up. And, you know, and then again, I'm a fan. I mean, Mike would know that I'm a, I'm just a geeky basketball guy. Like I, I love watching him play. Um, I I love him as a guy. I mean, it's, it's, it was neat really getting to know those guys. And um, certainly it's, it wasn't one of my prouder moments uh, that draft night. Um, But as a fan of the NBA, you can't help but not enjoy watching what he and Jamal were doing. I joked Adidas was really getting their money sure. worse in that first series, first round series. Um, it's almost <laughs> when you mentioned the Portland quadruple overtime was I didn't leave that arena angry. I left it. I mean, I, I would have preferred if we didn't came, you know, we, we'd been on the wrong side of it, right side of excuse me. But as a fan, I just walked out, I walked back to the hotel in Portland. And I was, I was like, wow, that was awesome. Two, two right. teams just leaving everything out there. Right. You know, every bounce mattered. Quadruple overtime in the playoffs in front of some of the best fans in the NBA. So I, I think that that helps. I mean, we all have countless stories of 
what could have been, or we're going to do this. It, it didn't work out or we didn't pull the trigger here or there. Absolutely. And it's also it's a finite marketplace here. So it's a lot of industries. If you miss, you don't know what you missed on. When you miss in the NBA, you're going to, you're going to know quickly because there's only 20 other places they can go. But um, I, I, I just, I, I enjoyed watching that whole team. They're extremely well coached. They got great culture. Um, he, he, getting to know him a little bit was fantastic. Spent a lot of time talking to their guys and, um, we were very fortunate to move on, but it gave me that much more respect for that team and him as a player and as a person. Mike, who's that, that guy for you guys? I mean, cause every, every exec has them. Uh, the draft is just inherently, uh, uh, uh I mean, I think draft. the one we talk about the most internally is, is Jimmy Butler and Jawan Johnson. Um, but you know, there's every, every team has tons of these stories. Um, we had to right. narrow it down to those two guys and pick the wrong one. Um, but you, you know, the, the draft, we, we've talked about this before the, by the 20th pick in the N- NBA draft, only like 10% of guys are, you know, good contributors on a decent team. And so if you're right, 20% of the time, you're twice as good as the average GM, but you're still wrong four out of five times, uh, which is pretty crazy. You don't often get to make five picks if you're wrong four out of five times. So, um, you know, that's no excuse though. Like we, we should have picked Jimmy and we didn't, um, everybody's got those and, and, um, you know, you just sort of have to move on the, the good news for Tim and me and other people who are just big basketball fans is, you know, you still get to watch some pretty exciting basketball, even if the guy's not on your team, <laughs> but, right. uh, if that's not easy, it, it takes a while to get over it. The good news, you know, the other piece of good news is there's always something else to do in the front office. And so you can't spend too much time just dwelling on something like that. You want to look back and learn from what, why you missed. Right. Um, sometimes there's good learnings and other times there's not, um, you know, people want to talk to me a lot about Giannis and, uh, you know, look, I, I, I defy anyone to look at his statistics or performance in Greece and learn that he was going to you know, grow a bunch of inches and become the MVP of the league. Um, right. I, don't, I don't think Milwaukee knew that either. Um, but, but I, I feel worse about the Jimmy Butler one. Cause we just had it, had it narrowed down to two guys. Right. Right. Yeah. They're, they're the most painful ones when you, when you have it. And, you know, we, we, there was numerous hits on the draft with Donovan and a couple of the guys have exploded. We were on, we were right there with them. And, Try to be, you know, try to be cute and create more value with a, um, a player and a pick. But I think Mike, Mike and I speak quite often um, and he's one of the best in the league. I think there's, he has a level of self-deprecation and, and honesty about him. I think uh, Mike, you can speak to it. The guys that probably drive all of us crazy are the guys that literally are never wrong. You know, and, <laughs> and I don't care what seat they play, whether it's, front office or a media member or a coach, whatever it may be, where it's, I had a conversation with one of those guys a couple of years ago. They talk, kept talking about all the guys he liked and it was fascinating because every guy he liked was really, really good. You know, I said, this is amazing, man. <laughs> You're like seven for seven with late first round guys. Like, was there anybody that you didn't like? And the other fascinating thing too is it, it's so much is environmental. You know, what role can that guy play? Um, what's the expectation for the team when he gets there? Um, you know, we, we've, we are so excited about Michael Porter and he's had kind of an atypical first year relative to where he was drafted, um, kind of his expectations. And he's been so good with it. We say you're not going to be able to play as many minutes or be able to play through as many mistakes as a lot of these other guys are because we're winning a lot of games. So you're going to, you're going to develop differently. You're going to develop in a winning system, but it's such a crap shoot. I mean, um, I mean, the Celtics, they, they do a phenomenal, phenomenal job across the board. And me and Mike, if we're not too close in the draft, that's the case we don't talk. But we'll talk around the draft. And you think you're, you're so convicted, and then you take the guy, and it could be – Suddenly you're not sure. Suddenly yeah, you're not yeah. sure anymore. <laughs> 100%. Or you, you take the guy in the, you know, the second-round pick that you never thought of. You know, yeah, is it, who knows what it's going to be. You get in the gym like this guy might be better than the guy we just picked in the first round, and it's, right. there's, there's this constant evolution. Uh, Calvin Booth, our gym, has a, a very good analogy. It's just a stew. It just hopefully at the end of it, the stew tastes good, and right. for right. tasting good is win a lot of games. And well, I don't you know how you're going to get there, but just just get there by winning games. And certainly Boston's done that at a high level for a long time. Tim's got the perfect example of an opportunity situation on his team. We, we had PJ Dozier here and he spent most of the year on the red claws and we wouldn't have had minutes for him at the wing. We just got too many, too many other guys at those positions. 
Um, and, you know, Tim sort of recognized that PJ is just a great guy. Um, and obviously Tim recognized that and he's played a big part for their team this year, but it is so much an opportunity league. And I, we're always talking about guys that we think, you know, they never had an opportunity in their first five or six years and they end up in Europe or somewhere else and they're good or, or they never get good, but if they'd just been in the right situation, they might've been. So it, it's really hard to know. It's really hard to know, but the, the best teams, you know, well, you Tim, I was going to say that those guys sometimes and, and Tim did that with PJ and it's worked out great. Well, the Porter one, Tim, that one's got to be pretty damn gratifying. Uh, I you know, I remember covering that draft, and, I mean, he was if, – if those back problems weren't what they were, uh, you know, the Kings were still talking about taking him um, really high. And, and the way that you guys have been patient, developed him. I, I know Coach Malone drove him crazy a lot, but to, to see it kind of come through that phase and, and see what he's been doing in these playoffs has got to be wild. Yeah, you know, it's a great example of patient ownership. If we didn't have um, – and we're great coaching staff. We had, we've been blessed the last couple of years to have good depth. So we, we weren't sure how impact one rookie would be. And then ultimately you have to have an ownership group, which Stan and Josh and those guys were in the room and say, we think this guy is an elite talent. There's enormous risk with his back. Um, we've done all our homework and here's what countless specialists have said. Um, what do you think? And you know, thankfully, those guys were willing to effectively have a redshirt year. And now we're seeing some of the fruits of, of the labor and Mike's worked his butt off to get back here. But without that patience from ownership, without a great partnership with the coaching staff, it's, it's not everyone wants to hear with the 14th pick. We're not going to see him on the court at all. <laughs> so it was um, a unique situation that we were allowed to do so because of a myriad of, uh, of people that were, you know, on board with it. And it's fun to see. And he's, he's such a nice guy. Like his, his dad's a great guy and a great coach and he's here right now. So again, just a, a neat, neat person and a guy that's adds on the court, but off the court, he's, he's a joy to be around as right. well. All right, listen, guys, I'm going to let you run. You got walks to go on. You got teams to do stuff with. I cannot thank you enough for coming on. This was a lot of fun. We made it through. None of us got booted. Um, stay, you know, keep your nose out of trouble. Keep enjoying your teams. I'm um, happy for both of you. And, and to see all the, the work that you put in, you know, paying off in this stage has got to be fun. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks, Tim. Guys, thanks. You guys, thanks.